0: AWRI Decanted, a podcast from the Australian Wine Research Institute. Here grape and wine scientists reveal their latest discoveries and meet the producers who are applying the research in their businesses. Broadacre cropping was not something most viticulturalists used to ponder. That was until a couple of decades ago. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and it was the broadacre cultivation techniques that research agronomist Chris Penfold was developing that caught the eye of the wine sector. It led to the development of sustainable floor management systems for viticulture. To delve into what's involved, Chris joins us for this decanted podcast. Thanks for your time.
1: Oh, it's good to be with you.
0: Could I describe you as a flying agronomist?
1: <laughs> well, not really. I mean, uh, I, I do like to fly a little bit as in a pastime, and uh, we do that with some of the work I also do in, uh, in uh, organic certification for one of our certification bodies called NASA. And so uh, I sometimes fly out to particular stations and uh, do organic certification audits for them.
0: Chris, I understand that you haven't always spent your life between vines. You actually started in a different area of agriculture. So I was um, a late
1: starter to to studies. So I started off as a broadacre agronomist and my first dabble with research was looking at um, organic, biodynamic, integrated and conventional broadacre farming systems. So we established a a large trial at Roseworthy where we compared those four systems and we were able to keep that trial going for, for eight years and uh, investigate the relative sustainability of each of those four systems, which was um, was pretty interesting.
0: So you've actually moved from the agronomy side in terms of broadacre across now to viticulture.
1: Yes, well, it, back in uh, in 2000, I was approached by the Organic Viticulturalist Association. They heard that I was been doing some work in the broadacre sector and thought that it uh, might be useful if they could um, get me on side to do some work in looking at weed control for organic viticulture. After a couple of attempts, we were fortunate enough to gain funding to look to that, and so I started off in the viticultural field, and I stayed doing that for, for about 20-odd years. That uh, initial work, I was looking at um, ways of, of weed control in the Undervine region, and that's where we finished off 20 years later as well. Initially, though, I was looking at, uh, at mulches and that type of thing to gain weed control rather than what we ended up doing, which was uh, down the cover cropping line.
0: Chris, what's the conventional approach to vineyard floor management and what are the issues with this approach that you're solving with your research?
1: Floor management in viticulture has evolved a long way over the years and uh, has changed partly in uh, response to the the changes in irrigation practices that the the growers have been able to take on. As drip irrigation has become mainstream across pretty much all of our, our viticultural regions and great growing sectors The management of the floor has certainly changed along with it. For a long time though there was a a belief that the growers had to remove everything but the vines that was um, producing any sort of green matter and potentially transpiring moisture and removing that moisture from the vineyard and so they were trying to conserve as much moisture as they could by either cultivation or herbicides as they came to the fore in latter years. And so there was a time when that was very uh, strongly practiced and As a result of that, there was um, a lot of, I think, um, destruction of soil structure and that sort of thing, which happened from both practices, from both cultivation, which often involved rotary hoes, which are one of the worst devices as far as soil structure goes, and also uh, probably an overuse of herbicides as well. So um, a lack of green growth, a lack of root matter, and uh, that soil structure is also diminished over time. So we end up with problems with compaction, with infiltration with erosion even in some situations. And so, you know, we've evolved again over time as we've learnt more about improving the practices and adopting some of the practices they were evolving as well in Broadacre where they too were using a lot of cultivation in the the early days for weed control and then were able to move into direct drilling over time um, with their pastures and with their crops and trying to focus on the soil and improving its quality over time by maintaining all the residues that they were producing and uh, not disturbing the soil if they could avoid it. So um, we try to bring those sort of practices into the, the management of the, the vineyard floor as well.
0: Chris, that's quite an evolution, isn't it, really? Because I I guess people have been accustomed to seeing well-manicured vineyards with bare earth underneath the vines and freshly mown grass in the mid-row spaces. You've been quoted as just like beards are now in fashion, so too is the slightly scruffy vineyard. Can you explain (laughs) how the fashion is changing and how these cover crops work to actually suppress weeds?
1: The thinking is now that... um Let's try and make biology do the work for us rather than trying to impose other mechanisms such as mechanical intervention or herbicide chemistry to gain that weed control for us. Can we let other plants provide the benefits of soil improvement through, with the legumes, nitrogen for instance, or uh, from grasses where you get improved soil structure? And can we also produce cover crops which are lush enough and also uh, competitive enough to suppress the growth of plants, which we might call weeds in a vineyard, which we don't want to have there or have in, in lesser quantity. And so by growing desirable species and having them perform those competitive tasks with those less desirable species, I think we can, over time, reconstruct our vineyards and have ones of minimal intervention consisting of plants which we want to have and not ones that we don't want to have and do it much more cost-effectively as well, and all for the benefit of the soil and ultimately for the the vines and the, the produce which we get from it.
0: Chris, I've heard the term allelopathic used when discussing problem weeds with other plants. What's that term actually mean, and how's the process work? So
1: allelopathy is the capacity for some plants to produce chemicals from their root systems, but also from their above-ground vegetative matter, and those chemicals can reduce the growth of other plants in their vicinity i think in the vineyards one of our classic ones there is couch which um, is unfortunately fairly prolific and uh, enjoys uh, irrigation water supply from the dripper it may not uh, necessarily produce huge amounts of dry matter which would equate with the amount of water that uh, it's using and the capacity for the suppression of the vines is not necessarily in, in line with the amount of dry matter that's producing in the way of competition. It's uh, also producing allelochemicals which are suppressing the growth of the vines as well. That's uh, one of the nasty ones. Wireweed has been shown to sh- have uh, allelochemicals chem- in it as well and barley does have some allelochemicals which are beneficial ones so they will suppress the growth of other weeds in a barley crop. So that's some of the more, the more classic examples of it. Walnut trees are another one and, and so on.
0: Chris, you've also spent time looking at other benefits of cover crops. Apart from just weed suppression, what are some of those benefits that you've seen in vineyards where different sorts of cover crops have been planted?
1: Because in many vineyards they have received a, a lot of herbicide, particularly in the undervine area, for many years. And removing vegetation from soil is probably the, the worst practice we can utilised for soil quality and so as a result of that um, we have soils which have reduced amounts of infiltration because their their structure is, um, is not very good because it's root systems which develop structure in soil and all the associated microorganisms that go with those root systems. If you remove the growing plants, you don't have the root systems and so you don't have the structure. And so we end up with poor infiltration, for instance, or we have um, compaction in some areas in the, the undervine area, which has been a, a result of soil chemistry associated with lots of irrigation water applied. And very robust high soil strength um, soils in that that undervine area and so infiltration is again suppressed and so we're trying to use plants to overcome those issues and we found that um, in most regions the simplest plants to use ones which are readily available from commercial seed suppliers medics clovers and ryegrass and annual species as well we don't want perennials in the undervine area because we don't want to be Upsetting the hydrological balance, we don't want to be pulling out water with these cover crops during the, the vine's growing season. All of those annuals are winter and spring active. And by having those in that undervine area, they're growing actively over the, that winter spring period and then they die off or they senesce of their own accord just naturally in springtime. And you're left with a mulch on the soil surface and that can help to suppress weeds as well but in the meantime we have completely transformed that uh, soil profile underneath uh, the vines and uh, improved the, the water infiltration and we can do that just in one year by the growth of these cover crops
0: in one year
1: yes yes it's, it's been fantastic again coming out of the broad acre sector One of the the ways which is the most effective for improving soil carbon is with the use of pastures in the system. And those pastures are just the same as what we're trying to grow in the the vineyards, medics, clovers and ryegrass. And uh, the combination of both, uh, the medics support the, the ryegrass with the nitrogen input that they provide, and the ryegrass with its fantastic root system is providing wonderful benefits to the soil in improving soil structure by binding it together and, and holding those soil particles in their aggregates, which uh, does fantastic things with soil structure. And it's improving soil carbon at the same time. And we've uh, seen results of improved carbon by 30% in three years with these practices in these soils, which have been fairly degraded. So that's a, a fantastic result and certainly not, not one that you will commonly see, but uh, it's certainly been scientifically verified.
0: Chris, they're fantastic results. You've mapped out there that there are a variety of cover crops. That then begs the question, how does a vineyard manager go about selecting the right cover crop for their vineyard? And is it also easy to establish and maintain them once they're selected?
1: We we developed a tool called Cover Crop Finder some years ago, and it remains uh, fairly valid to this day. So having a look at the, uh, the vineyard's rainfall and uh, based on that, you can uh, select uh, suitable cover crops. One of the things which we did for uh, three years of trial work was having a look at uh, the role of native cover crops in vineyards. They certainly do have a place there. The ones that we became really keen on as a result of that work was, uh, was wallaby grass, which I think in most places has a fit within the, the mid-row of the vineyards. But it's, um, it's pretty expensive to get established. Seed is quite expensive and, it's, and getting going in the vineyards is a bit of a specialised exercise. But it can fit and, and Mary Rotalic has done some very good work and found that, um, that it does also provide a great base of habitat for lots of beneficial insects as well. Another one which I, I really did like and suited to the inland warmer country is uh, prostrate salt bushes and so Atroplex semi and Encolina tomentosa, a prostrate form of, can both also fit very well in that midrow uh, region, where in the, the right soil types can form a very th- a nice thick blanket which will suppress the more revolting weeds like cowtrop and also provide excellent habitat for beneficial insects, while at the same time keeping that floor of the, the midrow much cooler and potentially reducing uh, reflected heat back in the canopy in those, those hot, really hot days. So that's um, been two species which um, are also recommended, but not everywhere. You have to be fairly selective on when you when you were planting them, just so you don't get um, too much competition with the vines.
0: Chris, I imagine you've had a very satisfying career. It sounds like you got involved with viticulture when it was really focused on controlling nature to getting an outcome, whereas now you're working with nature to getting an outcome. Yes,
1: it has been been fantastic, Drew, and where we've come from and I think where we've ended up in. I mean, I've i retired from the, the university now after that 20-odd years with the, the viticulture work and 10 years in broadacre beforehand, and it's certainly has been tremendous transformations in that time in, in both sectors, and it's certainly been wonderful to see. There's um, a lot of progress now that, to be made, though, in further adoption, I think, of a lot of these practices. We see the more progressive growers out there that are really, really excited by where they are going and, and, um, and the potential for further achievement and a more hands-off approach to their production system, but at the same time improving the quality of their fruit and obviously the prices they receive as well in the process. And, yeah, that, it's really wonderful to see the way that's, uh, that's happened.
0: I imagine you can see your work in action, though, as well. You'd actually be able to drive around and go, even if you didn't know the grower you hadn't worked with, them, I imagine you must be able to go, yeah, they're using different practices in that vineyard that are actually working with the land as opposed to trying to control the land. Or am I being too simplistic?
1: <laughs> oh, no. We uh, we have problems keeping our eye on the road going through the, the, the viticultural regions and... Uh we go, when I see too much, um, the way of herbicides still applied and I think, oh, look at that fantastic, they're taking on some of the work that we're suggesting or they've they've heard about and uh, that undervine there is looking nice and scruffy. That's a sign that they're letting some plants grow under there and they'll be improving their soil and and, uh, ultimately they'll be um, getting better fruit as a result of that, so long as they are desirable plants. And that's where we have to be cautious. We can easily come unstuck if we let the wrong plants grow there. And so we've got competition with the vines and we're going to be uh, going backwards rather than progressing forwards.
0: Chris, you mentioned the cover crop tool. Where can producers, growers go if they want to find out more about cover cropping research and how to apply it in vineyards?
1: If growers um, go to the AWRI website, uh, there's a section there on vineyard management, they will find a whole heap of fact sheets which we've um, produced over the years on a a fair range of of topics regarding floor management. And in there, there'll also be a link to that uh, cover crop finder tool as well and um, they can have a look there. It'll give them some ideas. We are trying to get the information out, more so to some of the um, seed suppliers, agribusinesses and that sort of thing these days as well. We'd like to think that they can also help out in uh, providing assistance in just uh, providing advice on what is uh, the preferred annual cover crops that are suitable for most of our vineyard areas. And as much of it comes down to, you know, whether you've got acid soil or alkaline soils and providing the best pasture species that are going to work there, so long as they're annuals.
0: Chris, I've been thinking one of the things is you need to be getting your message out there more. Maybe you need to start to become the flying viticulturalist (laughs) landing on a few driveways around the country to spread the message of what you're doing. Fascinating research. Thank you for taking the time and joining us for this AWRI decanted podcast, Senior Viticulturalist with AWRI, Chris Penfold. Thanks for your time today.
1: Thanks very much, Drew. It's been a pleasure having a chat.
0: The AWRI decanted podcast is supported by Australia's grape growers and winemakers through their investment agency Wine Australia with matching funds from the Australian Government.